caught with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Caught with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop bottles. Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship game. Cause I ball hard. Don't be ball I am the bird man. This is one night stand. What up, night fans? It's the second week of February. We got an action-packed show here today. We are going to talk about the Orlando Apollos football team in the kickoff of the AAF League. We're going to talk about the NFL Combine and Draft coming up, UCF basketball possibly making the tournament, and you know some questions about Johnny Dawkins. Also, the 2019 football schedule was released. We're going to break that down game by game and give you our Fab Six away games that you should go to. And we have an awesome interview with Aaron Evans, who is now on the Apollos as well. And I'm here with... It's Money Moo, guys. What's going on? It's been a while. A long while yeah, since the last time we, talk, we couple, talked. A couple months or so, yep. Thank you for all the fan mail and uh, <laughs> all that on Twitter. I, I know you guys miss me a whole lot. So I do appreciate that. I miss your uh, uh, I miss your football picks, dude. <laughs> I'm missing them too because you know it was a nice little uh, side hustle, nice little income stream there, and I don't know betting on UCF basketball just isn't the same. Yeah, yeah. Although actually, I've had I've made some decent money betting on other basketball this season. Maybe if I do good this year, I'll give my picks next year. But we'll have to see. No, oh, uh, thanks for sh- thanks for sharing those. By the way, <laughs> yeah, my. <laughs> 10-0 and 0 last Saturday. Hey, yo. All right, let's get started here. Uh, I guess the big thing to talk about right now is the AAF Alliance of American Football kicked off last weekend. Uh, our hometown team, Orlando Apollos, playing in the bounce house, and they had a 40-6 to route over Atlanta. Where do you want to start with this? I just got to say, overall, the whole thing – Leading up to the first night, I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to tune in only because it was being played in the bounce house. I got to say, I was pretty impressed with really the whole product. You know, it it did start off a little slow, which even NFL games, you know, week one or preseason could start off slow. I know they they didn't even have a preseason. They had like one little scrimmage game and that was it. So Yeah, and they've only been practicing together as a team for – you know, two months or so. They said minicamp started in December, but, you know, even in college, when you start off the season, most of those guys have been here for years, so this team is gelled. I mean, these guys are all new with each other, so I think that the product on the field is going to get better from week to week. Um, you know, our quarterback, uh, Garrett Gilbert, started off 0 for 5 passing, but two of those are pretty bad drops. But, you know, like you said, after that, I mean, the, the game was actually pretty exciting, unless you're an Atlanta fan. But I was definitely surprised by the the quality of you know the football on the field, and like I said, it's going to get better week to week. I, I think this is cool, and I think this is going to stick. Uh, I think they're doing it right. Uh, they've got some good coaches in place, and you know some talent out there too. I think they loaded each roster like regionally. Like we have all the FSU, Gator, Miami, UCF people on our team, and they kind of try to do that to make everyone in that region interested. Oh. Did you hear from? My biggest question was, did you hear from anyone that actually went out and tailgated? Because it looked like they were doing uh, a six-hour tailgate, pretty similar to what our tailgates are. 
And um, the parking, too, it was, even though it wasn't on Memory Mall, I know it gets crazy out there in some of the premium lots and the softball lot, I know for sure. Yeah, um, well, the the weather was a problem. It was rainy leading up to it. But I did talk to some people that tailgate, and they said it was awesome. I mean, any excuse to, to, to walk around campus and drink is, you know, awesome for me. And uh, also any kind of football game we get to watch, I love too. You know, obviously, by far, that's the best sport. And I'm definitely missing it now that the Super Bowl's over, especially now that that's over. I miss college even more. But this will be nice. You know, it's going to take us through um, right around the NFL draft, actually, is when the championship game is. Uh, So let's actually, let's talk about the structured league a little bit. So there's eight teams, two conferences. You play each team in your conference once, home and away, and then one game against the out-of-conference teams. One thing to note, out of the four games this last weekend, all the home teams won, and it was all kind of blowout. So that would be something interesting to watch, especially gambling-wise. There were some lines on Bovada. I got Orlando minus 7.5, big winner there. So I have to keep an eye out for that. What are some things that you that you noticed that you liked, though, about the uh, the game or the league in general so far? The one thing I noticed right off the bat was the no kickoffs, and I, I haven't really formed an opinion on on that yet it was cool because like i don't know most of the time now it's just you know they get all riled up and just kick it through the back of the end zone it's a touchback it's a huge you know nothing play really and the speed of the game is a lot faster they're trying to speed up baseball to make the game faster any game that's played slowly is not going to work in today's day and age you know people want instant gratification on literally everything Right away, bam, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, they actually took five seconds off of the play clock as well. And I don't know about you, but I always watch the play clock when I'm watching a game, when I'm there at least. And I can tell you a ton of times, I don't want to put an exact percentage, but they snap the ball, not UCF, but every other team, they snap the ball with less than five seconds left. Right, and that adds up. It does. Yeah. So if they can get more plays in, you know, everyone loves offense, especially hurry up offense. I think that's just a really good new yeah, rule change I, that I think the NFL could end up adopting. Yeah, I don't know. The NFL is so commercial. I mean, it's all about money, though. I I, I think they they're I don't know if it's ever going to end up changing that. But I like that there's less commercials. They didn't have any stupid TV timeouts like. Normally they have TV timeouts after scores and before the kickoff. Here they just did it, kind of. Um, and, and there wasn't a kickoff, too, so you didn't have to wait. It's just like the next team runs out on the field, which is kind of cool. They said it was 60% less commercial. So, yeah, from start to finish, the, the game was a lot quicker, which is nice. You know, I mean, it can get – not that I don't like being there for the games, but some of our games are almost four hours, and uh, you know, it can take yeah. a lot out of you. So it makes well, it, when you get two, you know, when you get two hurry up offenses together, especially yeah. with all the TV timeouts and stuff, it, it could be a four hour game. I'm interested to see because I ended up falling asleep like near the end. Uh, just <laughs> it was, it was like late. nine o'clock, dude. <laughs> no, it started at eight. All right, it whatever. started at eight thirty, actually. Yeah, no, it did. Anyway, I'd like to see the time, the time of the game, or you know how long it actually was because I, I doubt it was three hours no it wasn't i think it ended up being like two and a half i was at a hockey game and i actually missed the end of the game or the hockey game started at seven and i think it was like nine thirty when i was leaving and they were just uh, like halfway through the fourth quarter or something like that 
Um, yeah, especially too quarter. with a with a shorter game time at this time of year. You know, they put college basketball on from for like twelve hours a day. You know, you Love get it. like you get like six games. So I think once this thing starts getting to roll, you know, that's one thing I didn't like about last week is that they had two games on at the same exact time. That made no sense. Like what? You know, it did. Like, you got four games and you get two on at the same time. I was like, what? Like. So now, like, once the Super Bowl is over, if you're in February and you don't want to watch all day college basketball, if they had all of these games, you know, if they had four, if they just only played on Saturdays, they have four games in a row, you know, from a a 12, a 2, a 4, and a 6, like, there's your whole day there, bud. Eh, Well, I disagree. I think you should space it out, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, just to give you, like, that more spread out football, especially because Sunday's not a big day for college basketball. So there really wasn't much else to watch on that day. If anything, put them all on Sunday is what I would say. But well, Yeah, yeah, either or. But, you know, the more spread out, I guess, definitely the better. The one thing, though, is, like, it is nice, but I'm not too far removed from football where I'm really starting to miss it. I'd almost rather they started this league in, like, May. Then, you know, hockey and basketball are, like, finished up. And it's, like, really, like, the grind. There's no other sports going on besides baseball, and I really would love something to bridge me over until training camp. But I think the XFL is going to be starting at that time. So next year, when that starts, we'll have football. Boom. All o- year. Almost all year round. Yeah, but overall, you know, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised with this league, and I think it's going to keep getting better week to week. And I'm excited that we've got another, yeah, another pro team to – or. We have a pro team now in Orlando that we can root for, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome, too, that we have you know a decent number of UCF, of former UCF stars on the team. Yeah, Aaron Evans, who we'll talk to later. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention that I really like is they have this sky judge, which is like a ninth referee that's in the booth. And they have the power to pretty much call anything that they see. Um, so I hope they use some discretion with that and don't call a stupid holding penalty on another field that didn't have anything to do with the play. But also when they did the review on that one touchdown where the ball kind of hit the ground, they had audio from that replay official live and she actually changed her mind and it was cool. Oh to yeah. See I remember. It was I saw this. awesome. The transparency with that was awesome through the whole process. She's like, no, not a catch, not a catch. And then one more different angle showed that he had possession two feet then the elbow hit, and then the ball came out, and the elbow was considered like the football move after the two feet. The play is dead after that, and she's like, wait, nope. She changed her mind and sent it down. It was a touchdown, and I thought that was really, really cool, uh, the transparency, something that the NFL does not do. It seems like everything they do makes no sense, honestly, but yeah. anyway. Well, I was kind of giving my wife some crap about it because she was watching it with me. I was like, oh, there you go, a woman that can't make up her mind. <laughs> What? She, hey, she got it right at least. Uh, um, she did. I think she got it right. Yeah, that really that was that so, was definitely cool. That was to, cool. Cool to see that. All right, so um, that's that. We're gonna talk to Aaron Evans later, and we talk a little bit more about the league and uh, and their upcoming game. All right, so the next thing coming up for NFL slash college football stuff going on is the combine. The specialists actually report, I think February twenty sixth or twenty seventh. Mac Loudermilk will be there. And then everything will be on TV. I think on ABC, like March 1st through the 4th, we have Tristan Hill, the lone representative from UCF, going to the Combine. 
Moo, what are your thoughts about, you know, this? Because, you know, Tristan, he left early. He hasn't really been talked about that much. And, you know, and I haven't seen him in any of these mock drafts or anything like that. Um, what, what are you thinking coming into this? That's because he's focused on training. His entire <laughs> life comes down to these three days. No, honestly, I wish Tristan all the best. I wish him a lot of luck. The big thing about the combine is that anything can happen. You know, like it doesn't matter how much you're being talked about before or honestly, even what you did in college. I mean, you remember that Jay Cutler would never heard of this guy before. All of a sudden he like lights up the combine and he ends up being like, I think he was the first round pick. Yeah, it was like in the top 10. Uh, no, the combine, you know, you have your film, but you don't have the measurables on these guys and it can be tough to tell. You know, everyone plays different opponents and stuff. I think the combine weeds out some players that aren't really that good at athletes and it boosts the resume for players maybe like Tristan when they realize, you know, this dude's a freak. He's fast. Uh, he can move. He's not just a big guy. It'll definitely, you know, get him into the spotlight. And then I think people will start paying a little more attention to his film and what he did on the field because dude's an incredible athlete. He's six feet tall, you know, 300 something pounds and can dunk a basketball easily, which is pretty nuts. But, you know, being in the American conference, Definitely doesn't have as many scouts watching film on him as I think that should be. So after that, there's UCF's Pro Day March 26th. Yeah, so to me, the Pro Day is, is just as important as the Combine. You know, we have, have Snelson, Dredrick Snelson, who came out early. He's putting all of his stock into the Pro Day. Uh, there's going to be a ton of scouts there now. This is not like any Pro Day you know, that UCF has had in a long, long time because now everyone actually knows who we are. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have talent all over the field. And you got to remember, too, what we just talked about with the Apollos. If I was the Apollos, I would definitely have some scouts there and maybe even from other Alliance teams to be there, too, because, you know, not every college player that comes out of UCF is NFL ready, but there's definitely talent. They're definitely talented. And we have a great group of seniors and Snelson and Tristan that are ready to start their professional careers. Yeah, definitely. There should be a representative from every NFL team there. Um, and this will give guys like, you know, not just Snelson, but, you know, Kalubi Ali will be there. I mean, pretty much everyone, every senior, I think, or most of them, um, is going to give their pro day a shot. You know, these guys have all been training pretty hard these last couple months. And this is their chance, you know. Maybe they weren't rec or not recruited, but talked about among draft scouts or anything like that. But this is a chance for them to showcase their skills, and you never know. Some of the most unlikely players have ended up. You know, the Patriots are one team that really grabs guys that like didn't even do anything in college a lot of the time, and sees you know exactly. whether it's some kind of little thing they do, and it fits the Patriot mold, and you know they take these guys and they end up being staples on the team for for a couple years you know like nate ebner matthew slater devlin the fullback i mean these guys that didn't even expect to ever play in the nfl have been a, a you know an important part of their team all right so then after the pro day we got the draft starting april 25th draft this year's in nashville we're kind of on the fence about possibly going i don't know what do you think uh eh, i don't know i i, I might go We'll see. It could be kind of cool, but I also think like maybe after the fir 
first pick is it is seems pretty boring. You yeah, know? it probably yeah. is. It is just it is a cool environment around a bunch of other really diehard football fans. You know, there's not just the draft. There's a bunch of other NFL experience stuff going on. And, and Nashville is a cool city too. I just feel like it's a bucket list thing. And you know, next year will be in Vegas, so it, it's going to be just insane and almost like stupid. I wouldn't even want to go there in Vegas because there'll be so many people. Uh, so this might be the last chance to, to get to one that's not like super super crazy. Yeah, that's true. I've never been to Nashville, but I've heard good things. Yep. All right. So let's move on basketball. So our basketball team last week had that big game against number 12, Houston. We only lost by nine, but I mean, we're pretty much down like 15 the entire game then toward the end, but had a good win against SMU a couple days after that, 71-65 on the road. How are we looking heading into this last, you know, five or six games before the tournament move? I mean, for me, I saw a lot of people with a lot of negative things to say about the Houston game. Now, Houston is a team that can really make you look pretty bad, you know, no matter what the talent level. They're just so freaking athletic. They are. And, you know, I think they're 22-1. and now which is crazy because they're only losses to temple who we beat <laughs> according to espn's bracketology they're going to probably be a three seed and there's been plenty of three seeds i think to win the whole thing at least at the very least make the final four so yeah you know we have a really good basketball team this year do i think it's a final four team probably not <laughs> um but i think we're definitely talented enough to at the very least, I think we should get into the tournament. Maybe make a Sweet 16 run, and then, hey, you never know. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know, man. It just feels to me like with these players we have, this was supposed to be the year. I know we were hyped up preseason, but besides that, just looking at these guys, you know, Taco in his senior year, B.J. Taylor, um, it just – I feel like we're underperforming, and, like, it just – it never has felt, even in our wins, like we're ever, like, really clicking on offense. It just seems so – sporadic i don't know i'm sure it's not easy to run an offense around taco when everyone's kind of switched to like the small ball faster type style of play and then you know aubrey dawkins is like kind of like an iso guy and you know when we get him the ball and he's hot like against smu he had like 26 points i was great but then other times he's not and it just doesn't seem like we have anything like we're not we're just not flowing well on offense i i I don't know And, and who's to blame for me personally i think i've kind of got Johnny Dawkins on the hot seat, but whoa, whoa! <laughs> Don't say that. Okay, well, here let me no, let, let me present. Go ahead. This is good. Okay, normally so, we always agree with each other. So. <laughs> so you know, people will say, "Well, he's done the you know he's done the best that any coach has ever done it at UCF," which is true, and especially being in a harder conference. Which when we switched from CUSA to the American, Donnie Jones, who had won twenty games in his first three seasons went to winning 13, 12, and 12. So the conference definitely has made it harder. Dawkins comes in his first year and wins 24 games and then 19 last year with a pretty depleted roster. But I think he's he's not recruiting that well. And now this team full of players that he didn't recruit, which are all the best players for the most part, besides, I think, you know, Colin Smith, uh, he doesn't – it just feels like we're underperforming. So if he can't win with – players that weren't his own and he's not recruiting good players what happens when he's got a team full of his recruits next year is kind of what I'm saying and I know he's done great but 
I don't see any reason why we can't have a, an actual top 25 program. And he's not bringing in players that I, I think will make us that way. And he's not winning with the good ones that we have now. And, you know, the one thing that hurts us with recruiting in football is the fact that we're in, you know, a group of five conference and we don't have a real path to a national championship. We don't have that. There is none of that in basketball. It's a level playing field. And if anything, recruiting guys to come to Orlando over, I mean, just in our conference, like, you know, or not Houston, uh, like places like Cincinnati um, or even Yukon up north or whatever. I mean, Orlando is very appealing. I don't see any reason why we can't get some really, really good recruits down here. You know, I don't see what's holding us back. We've got everything you could possibly want in Orlando. And it only takes one good year of recruits to turn a basketball program around. It's not as complicated as football. Uh, what do you think? I mean, you make some valid points. You know, look at our team as 17-5 and five overall. I think we have two bad losses. I think the loss against FAU was, you know, we were up, I think we were up like 20 points in that game. That was yeah. just a, that was a brain fart. Don't. And the same thing with, the Missouri loss by two. The FAU losses by one. The Missouri losses by two. And we were up, I think we were up double digits that's, in both games. That's sad that to give up a lead like that. And again, I blame coaching for that. But It is. But you know, okay, so that's two of the losses. The Memphis loss was pretty bad. But we've never been an away team. Yeah. And, you know, college basketball is so much different than, than college football. It's like... Okay, you look at some of the top 25 teams, they all have like six, seven, eight losses right now. That's true. Especially in co- in conference. You know, all the time, like, I feel like a top 10, you know, Michigan State team will lose to like an unranked, I don't know, Northwestern or somebody yeah. that's that's in conference. And, and it's hard, you know, day in and day out. They play a lot more games than, than you know, football does. Yeah. But anyway, my takeaway, and I've watched – almost every game i think the game flow thing that you're talking about you hit the nail on the head as to where if aubrey's hot you know everything is fine but when he's not bj taylor i think needs to really step up and be that hot hand he was always the go-to guy the real leader of the offense you know for the last two years and i just feel like he isn't there when aubrey isn't either if that makes any sense, you yeah. know. What I mean? No, I get. Or I, they're both. They're both like trying. It, it seems like there's a power struggle. Yeah. You know, at the top, like they're both trying to be the guy. You know, the star. And I don't know if that has anything to do with Aubrey being the son of Johnny. I don't know. I mean, he's he's a really good. They're both really good players, and yeah, I think they've gotten better with each other throughout the season. But you know, like another thing with me is like Taco, and I, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> He should be. How, how are we not? Sorry, I'm laughing just because. I don't know. There's so many like taco moments. But like, I mean, I get it. He hasn't played basketball that long, whatever. But like, how's he only pulling down six rebounds a game? Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Like just. I, He's just big, man. But he, I, he, it's painful to watch him try and move. I, I know. I, it's so slow. But if you're that big, I mean. Just be there. He, I mean, he probably feels like he's like fast as lightning. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, he doesn't have to move. <laughs> like he can just move his arms and stay in one spot and get the ball. I don't know. And then. I would definitely say that every year I've seen an improvement. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, that year we made the run in the NIT was like so painful. I think he was ha- averaging like. 
four turnovers per game probably. It was like 50-50 when he got the ball in the paint that he would either travel or turn it over or he would just dunk it. And, like, he kept putting the ball on the ground. <laughs> he's, he's entertaining to watch. Um, and, you know, like we talked about before, I mean, he's so much bigger than everyone else. His hand is so much bigger than the ball. It's just it's different for him, and it's not fair to compare him to anyone else. And But, you know, he has improved, so that's good. Um, I don't understand. This is the other thing that's killing us. And probably three of the five losses would turn into wins if we could throws. just hit. A yeah. freaky free throw. I know, man. Taco Fall. Okay, he actually. Hold on, I was gonna look this up. He's thirty percent on the season. Yeah, but but it's because he had a good game this past <laughs> game. He was twenty eight percent. Okay, SMU. Here we go. Oh, two for two. Crazy. And then again, how do you only get to the line one freaking time? I don't know. He's hard to get that the, big. He's hard Just to get the ball. The ball. To, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's all I can say. Jeez, watching that Houston game, they tried to get him the ball, and I forgot who threw him the threw him a pass. So he's seven seven, right? Yeah. Okay, the ball is like a foot above his head, and the f- stupid S- or the stupid Houston guy jumped and like got the ball out of Taco's hand. What we should do is take like, like half feet in the air, like I, take like almost like have him kind of under the basket, and then take like a fake shot where he just has to put his hands up and it lands in his hands maybe like two feet away from the basket does that make oh. sense like oh, not yeah i used to do those all the time not like, like i would try i would tr- actually be trying to shoot a three and it just misses then it'd be so off but i'd be like yo that's a pass yeah no but that would <laughs> how, how could you defend that if you're you can't defend that against taco especially if he knows it's going to be a pass to him because People have to jump just to get to right. where his fingertips are, and everyone's going to be looking up for the rebound. And then he catches it, and boop, just puts it in. It was I, just alley oops every play. Yeah, well, he doesn't have to jump, but I, I don't know. What do I? I don't know that much about basketball, so I don't know. I feel like he just he's good, but then it limits what we can do on offense, like moving around. You know, and sometimes when we go small without it's him in the game, we can, can we just agree that the team <laughs> is frustrating. It is because we know they're good. Yeah. I mean, you look some of the three point shooters, too, like Terrell Allen. Frank Burtz is a monster if they give him some more minutes. He only averages three points a game, but I feel like his <laughs> points per oh, minute is high. No, oh Terrell Allen shooting forty five percent from three. Nice. So that's like Matt Williams' numbers right there. Yeah, but I don't know. It's, uh, anyway, it's, it's frustrating. It's tough to get those guys open when you've got an, like a guy like Taco that's just like a big anchor in the middle. You can't run or you know run plays and stuff really. So I right. don't know. I, I I guess you're right. It is frustrating is the best way to put it. But all right, so I'll I'll wrap it up with this. So this is kind of Money Moves tournament outlook. So us getting into the NCAA tournament, we haven't been since what 2005. It yeah. was the last time. It was 2005 or 2006. Currently, according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi, we're projected as an 11 seed. Other American teams that are projected to be in the tournament are Temple as a 12 seed, who we have a win against, and Houston will be a 3 seed. Cincinnati, who we still have two games to play, uh, is currently projected to be a 7 seed. Now, UCF currently has four wins over projected tournament teams. Alabama, who is projected to be, I think, a 10. Temple, who is projected to be a 12. Ryder, 
the opening game against Ryder, I remember them saying, oh, yeah, Ryder is probably going to be a tournament team. I was yeah. like, okay, well, maybe I'll follow them. They're projected to be a 16 seed, which still, I mean, that's, that's a conference champion. Yeah, yeah. And also nor- our win over Northern Kentucky, they're projected to be a 13 seed. Okay. So, I mean, we have, we've beaten tournament teams. I mean, we have four wins. Yeah. Now, now we have four huge games left. Two against Cincy, one home, one away, one at Houston, and one, I think, at Temple. Yep. Now, I'm pretty sure out of those four games, I think we're going to have to win two to make the tournament. Any combination of those, I think if we lose three out of those four, I don't think we make it in. If we lose all four, obviously, I don't think we're going to make it in. I think we need to win two of those games, which probably is going to be Temple and then maybe steal one, you know. From Cincy at home. Cincy. Yeah. Houston, yeah. they're just too damn good. Yeah, and, you know, you never know. I mean, first of all, you never know. We could be Houston. But also, uh, we could make a run in the conference tournament, although I doubt it. It's at Memphis. But that might give us another opportunity if we if we can go deep into the American tournament to maybe get another quality win on there which could be followed by a quality loss depending on um, how we do. But, yeah, I mean, no, it, we're, we're looking good. This is exciting. We don't get to talk about the tournament ever as and, UCF basketball fans. So No, and I think this would be the first year maybe oh, two years ago I think we had a first-round bye in the conference tournament, but then we lost like the first yeah. game. <laughs> that was the NIT year. That was that conference. But anyway, top four letdown. teams get a first round bye, so that would be nice. Um, Definitely if we could do that. It would also be nice if we could be the third seed. That way, we don't match up with Houston as the four seed if we win the next game. So that would be good too. Yep, and then uh, so coming up though, we do have two home games. Wednesday, February thirteenth. Depends on when you're listening versus usf at home big game it's also <laughs> south always a fun game it's it's south florida night which is hilarious obviously <laughs> we're talking about uh for students from miami uh fort lauderdale area we're giving out shirts with the area codes 954 and four uh sorry 954 and uh 305 Duh. i had to like think of pitbull in my head <laughs> to, to remember what 305 um but that's taken a little bit of a subtle jab at south florida uh, Wednesday night, and then Memphis on Saturday. So two home games in a row. Go out and support the boys. You know, attendance has been kind of weak, but hey, it, you know, we can't change the past. Let's support these guys going forward, and um, yeah, you know, I think they're gonna. It's gonna be a good season. So, all right, so let's go to our interview. We have Aaron Evans, the starting left tackle for the Orlando Apollos, our new. Hometown pro football team. Oh, by the way, now we can say I have been an Apollos fan from day one. I'm not a bandwagon Apollos fan. So make sure you get on that hype train right now um, so you can say you're one of the originals. OGs. Anyway, uh, cool interview with Aaron. We talked about what it was like being cut from the Eagles and how that helped him grow as a person. We talked about, obviously, his time at UCF. And we also got into playing for Coach Spurrier and the Apollos. So let's do that. All right, guys, I'm here with Aaron Evans, the starting left tackle for your Orlando Apollos. Uh, what's going on, man? 
Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show. Congrats on the dub. How's it feel to be yeah. back on the field? Oh, uh, it feels great, man. It's been a long time since I played a full game, so it's felt really good to be back on the field and especially being on my home field. Definitely cool to have you back in the bounce house. Um, so let's start off with that. You didn't play at all really last season. Let's talk about your time in uh, Philadelphia. You know, you go through the draft, undrafted, and then how soon was it that the Eagles gave you a call? Uh, they were calling me the last day of the draft. I had about three or four other teams, the Chargers, the Saints, the Raiders. So they were all calling me. They wanted me to come uh, play for them uh, just as an undrafted free agent. So right. uh, the Eagles made me the best offer, so I picked them. Um, you see how it went. <laughs> right, right. Well, no, let's talk about that, though. So you come in training camp, and what what do the rosters start off at? They're, like, close to 100, right? Yeah, something like that. Yes, sir. And then – each week they cut like a certain amount of people yeah well they cut a little bit here and there but then uh when preseason starts is when they start making big cuts so it's like 20 guys or something two weeks in and the next gotcha. guys the last two weeks well what was it like there uh in that short period where you were with the team um it was a bit of a shell shock because you know you live your whole life like you work you have these aspirations of playing in the nfl and you have these expectations or these ideas of what it's going to be like and um, certain to a certain degree, those expectations were met, and then to a certain degree, uh, and to the other other side of the coin, it wasn't anything like I expected it to be. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would say it was a really good experience for me because it was just uh, it really forced me to grow as a person and as a man, and it really uh, taught me the level of com- competition that I was um, I'm really facing and like the the diligence and the work they put into their um, to their sport. Right, especially being on, you know, the defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, that must yeah, have been exactly. pretty cool. But, you know, I've, I've seen your posts on Facebook and everything, and it looks like you're really taking this and using this to fuel you to, to you know, not just be a better player but a, a better person. You know, you can take things bad or good, and it seems like you're, you know, using this as a, uh, you know, learning experience, I guess. Well, I mean, it's easy to look at life really negatively. Um, I'm guilty of it as anyone. but it's, Yeah, we all are. But – if you can try to be a glass half full type of person and like you can always learn something from something from any situation in your life, you can, you should, and you should learn something from it no matter what. Right. Uh, whatever. even if it's small. And one of the biggest things I took from it was that like one of the critiques that the Eagles gave me and it really struck me to my core because I've never been called that before. They called me arrogant. And wow. Um, and that really struck a nerve with me because I'd never in my entire life, you ask my friends, my family, none of them would say that about me. So, I've never heard anything like that about you. I mean, so, so, but, but regardless, if it's true, if it's false, whatever, it doesn't matter. Regardless that that was in someone's perspective, you know, perceptions, and, reality, you know? Yeah. So like, I really, it forced me to do a lot of self-evaluation and I really, it, the three months after I got cut and between like now, all that time between until now, um, I've been done, I've done a lot of soul searching. Like that's really like I trained a lot, but like, I really think I did more soul searching than I did physical labor, you know, like just constantly, right. what can, what, what are the sh- sharp edges on my, on my personality, on my per on my person that I can stand off, you know? Exactly. Um, well that's cool. And you know, like we said, being glass half full, at least you had that opportunity to, to, to be on the team for that period of time. You know, a lot of people don't even get that coming out of college. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's cool. And I was going to ask you about what you did in between, you know, this whole season you were off, I guess it must've been weird having to watch UCF on TV instead of playing with them for the last couple of years. Right. Yeah, it was, um, honestly, 
I didn't like enjoy it as much as I thought I would. I was kind of you miss it, uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be out there really bad because it's not the same energy. The, the energy you feel on the field and being in the game, or being at least in the game plan and knowing what's happening on the field, like really knowing and having really close relationships with the players, it just changes the entire feel of the game. But um, so watching it from home was pretty frustrating for me. But yeah. So then you know you you go through the whole season you know training I guess. Um, how did the whole thing? How did you end up with the Apollos? I guess. Um. So after I got cut, that was the first time I think since I was like seven years old where I had nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's nothing. It's not bad. I guess. <laughs> yeah. No school. No football. I mean, absolutely nothing. So I was just left with like, what do I do with myself? I took I took like two or three weeks off. I just didn't do anything. I was a little bitter. You deserve a little, it. <laughs> a little upset. Like my body was fatigued, and you know, like after my back surgery, I never had a break. So like I just I jumped right back into everything training wise. So I, I think really it was a blessing in disguise. This, the three months I had was um, just to like recover fully. But so I feel amazing now. But um, I the Apollo's called like kind of randomly in like September, late September. And I was just like, yeah, I'm down. This sounds exciting. And then as the, like, the information started to unfold that we're going to play at Spectrum and um, I would be in my hometown and all the other, like, you know, ins and outs of it. I, mean, I, I was going to be playing with some of my former teammates. And I mean, it was just an exciting thing developing. And um, it's proven to be as exciting as I expected it to be. This is it's awesome, and it's a great chance for you to showcase your skills among a bunch of other people that have played in the NFL, uh, like you. You know, normally, yeah, exactly. During this off season, uh, you know, there's not, no one has any tape or anything to evaluate on you for the most part, besides, you know, like your one yeah. or two preseason games and then your college tape. But this is definitely against, you know, a higher caliber of players than you, you might have played against in college. Oh, absolutely. I'm actually very excited about it because it's sort of like um, the 13th grade, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like or the sixth year in college or whatever you want to call it. It's really given – because, like, I know I didn't play the uh, Peach Bowl and it really um, dinged me with the scouts. Like, well, we don't know if you're good enough, you know? Yeah, that would have been and, a good um, tape for you to have. And this has given me a really great opportunity to um, prove that I can play at a high level. Going back to that peach bowl, now you needed back surgery. That's why you missed it. Did You had, a, I guess, a lingering injury throughout the season, the regular season, or what was up with that? Yeah, no, I played two seasons on uh, two herniated discs. Okay. Um, so I had six epidurals last year, to, or the last season I had at UCF so I could play, and I was like, I was in 24-7 chronic pain. Damn. Um, I couldn't straighten my leg. I was pretty beat up. I just muscled toughed it out you know willed willed it, willed it to be because i knew that the nfl was around the corner and i couldn't just stop you know so yeah so i sucked it up you know you have to do what you got to do and um that back surgery it was just a really bad timing type thing like if i had the surgery later i would have probably missed all the nfl stuff and that was like my entire life's work leading up to that you know or and if i get it earlier i mean i missed the peach bowl you know yeah so, so that's a, I, that's a tough day, decision then i bet well, it, it took me weeks to make that decision. It wasn't like I just like willy nilly did it. I asked the entire offense. I asked every coach. I asked every trainer. I asked my pastor, my mom, my dad, my grandparents, everyone I could think of that would have any advice on what to do. And I ultimately ended up getting it done before. 
Yeah, I think, you know, as I don't think anyone can fault you for doing that. At the end of the day, you have to do what's best for yourself in the long term. But having to, you know, tell your brothers on the team and stuff that you're going to miss, you know, what was, you know, the biggest game in school history obviously can't be easy. It's tough either way, but I, I definitely think you made the right decision there. So let's let's go back to UCF while we're talking about that. You know, you were only a two-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, did you have any offers from anywhere else? Uh, Rutgers had offered me. I had, seen, had some interest from uh, USF, from FAU, FIU. So not really. I mean, I didn't have much going for me. I was at a small Christian school, so I didn't really get recruited a lot that of, hard. Yeah, a lot of publicity because they didn't, again the back to the can he play at a high level? You know. So I was getting lots of D2, D3 schools that I'd never heard of, and I was like, I can play D1. So when I made the move, it worked out for me. And what made you uh, decide on UCF? The closeness to home, uh, it was close enough and far enough. The campus was beautiful. It was a growing program. They seemed to have some of the principles and values that I chose to live by in my life that they'd implemented in their program. So I it was the best choice for me and my family, so that's what I ended up picking. Right, and the rest is history. Well, it's just interesting to look back, you being you know not recruited that much and a two-star recruit, and now everyone makes such a big deal about the recruiting stars, and I think you're a perfect example. I mean, you played almost, you started almost every game for your last three seasons. I did, except for the Peach Bowl. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that just goes to show you that those stars don't mean all, you know, all that they're hyped up to be, especially by the, you know, the bigger programs. Well, you know, like, especially the, the further I advance in athletics, yeah, there's some really, really talented high school athletes. That they deserve their stars. They deserve all that credit. But it really, like, the those are, you know, you're measuring tangibles, you know, and, like, you, there's a lot more to a player, you know, yeah, than, than uh, what's tangible. So I think that's what we get lost in that that ranking system sometimes because the, the, the character of the man, the, the amount of heart he has. The work ethic. Oh, the work ethic, his drive, his willpower, all that will far I – mean, I'm not saying a five-star recruit can't have that. Yeah. But, but I mean, more like – I think J.J. Watt, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, he, a, he was like a two- or three-star or something, nothing special. Yeah, exactly. And it's just he put his head to the grindstone and he worked, you know. And that's something I would – I was talking about one of my one of my friends today about that. I was like, I'm not a crazy athlete, but I do work hard. Right. You know? So, and I think that's why I've had success. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I mean, you know, going from high school to college, I mean, college, you know, the workouts are, are so much longer. It's almost like you're, it's a full-time job being a college athlete. Whereas in high school, you can be good and, you know, the talent I feel like can just push you through. And then it can be a tough transition to college if you're, if you're not used to working that hard or you don't want to put in the time and the extra well, effort. I've, I've seen that happen to some of my friends. They're like really crazy athletes in high school and they never had to work for it. And then when they get to college, there's a lot of other crazy athletes, you know, and like they, it forces you to decide, am I going to work hard and keep maintain this edge I've always had because you can make yourself a really profound player if you already are that talented, but if you don't work, you're not going to get there. What do you think is your favorite memory from UCF? Ooh, I'm sure there's a lot. Uh, maybe not just on the football field, but UCF in general, or a favorite game, uh, whatever. I really like the Navy game. That one's the all, the game that always comes to my mind. How come? I was the most. That was the most emotional, like intense game for me. Like I was really like, 
I really wanted to win that game because Navy has that reputation for not getting beat at home and like all that stuff. And I just really, and it was part of our, like the perfect season. And I, I wanted to win that game so bad. And when we busted that last touchdown and we scored, I remember I screamed so loud. Like I thought my throat like ripped. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that was an awesome game. Navy had a really good team that year. And that game was like back and forth close the whole I know. game. It was an intense game. Well, you trust me, ask some of my teammates. I was I was on another level intense-wise. I was <laughs> out. Yeah, so. we, we needed every ounce of it uh, in that game. No, that, that was definitely a good one. And like you said, Navy had, I think, like a maybe a 20-game home win streak or something like that coming into that. Yeah, they hadn't lost there in a long time. So Yeah, that was that was definitely awesome. And that, that game was like when I started to, you know, it's like I think as fans we all started to, to look and see the light and be like, wow, we could actually end up doing this, you know, running the yes. table. <laughs> Sleeps on us. <laughs> Let's go back and talk about uh, the Alliance of American Football now. What's it like being on a team, I guess, with a bunch of you know players from our in-state rivals, FSU, UF, uh, Miami, USF? How's that? A lot of trash talk or what? Uh, there's some trash talk, especially when we got into the bounce house. There was some trash talk about like the national champs. Stuff. <laughs> um, you can just hear them, all the little murmurs and stuff. But all in all, we're still we're one unit. We've right. all been through we've all been through the system so many times um in and out of teams like i mean all these guys we've all been cut You've you had know all had a, a journey i guess i mean a lot of these guys we've already met each other we've known each other we see each other on other teams a lot of these guys know each other from other nfl teams and all their playing years and you know so it's like we all come together and we just come one big family again um i think that's one that's something that's something that's special about football players is their resilience and definitely, uh, how long have you guys all been together as a team practicing? Mini camp was uh, middle of December, so a few months, almost two months. Okay, so I mean, I feel like every week you guys are going to continue to to get better and better and gel on the field. Oh, um, well, absolutely! I'm excited about like what I get to work on all week, you know, and improve for next week. Yeah, and I mean that was an awesome game. You you guys blew them out. Um, how do you feel about you know some of the the rule changes or what? Let me phrase that differently. What's the biggest difference um, in this league than, you know, I guess college? I mean, the level of play is a little bit higher because, I mean, all the, the, be- the best of the be- – I mean, the better – the best of the best, you know, like the right. – um, So it's a better better, better play quality, um, a little more detail to assignments. I mean, all in all, I mean, there's not like a huge, yeah. huge change, but it's definitely different. And what about uh, – you know, playing for uh, old head ball coach there, Steve Spurrier. What, what's he like? He's he's a good guy. He he knows his football. He knows what he wants. Um, he uh, he's he's a little spunky. He's fun. To, he's fun to hear, listen to, talk to. He has some good things to say uh, um, to get the team going. I definitely like him and respect him a lot. Um, it's funny. His first ever win was at that same stadium back in 2013 when he when he played us. I don't know. if that's something Nothing we talked either. about or whatever, but uh, no, I didn't know that. yeah, uh, that was uh, South Carolina. They ended up finishing ranked like number six or something that year, and that's the year we went to the Fiesta Bowl. You redshirted that year, right? Yeah. So you, but you still got a ring. Yeah, I got a ring. I got three rings. <laughs> so you got so you're a Peach Bowl and a Fiesta Bowl champion, but didn't actually get to play in either of those games. <laughs> but yeah. I, guess, I guess that's better than not being on the team at all. So Don't rub it in. Don't rub um, it in. It's all good, man. You had a great career here at UCF, and uh, you're definitely really well-liked by all the fans. And um, 
you know, hopefully the NFL teams will definitely be calling come the summertime or, or whenever they start loading up their rosters for for training camp. I think it's going to be an exciting year for yeah, sure. I'm definitely stoked. I can't wait to uh, to get out to some of the games. Who do you guys play this week? Is it Memphis? Uh, San Antonio. San Antonio on the road though, right? Yes, sir. That's cool. All right, well, good luck, man. Uh, go crush them and go Knights. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, we're back. That was a cool interview there with Aaron Evans. Good to catch up with him always, and, you know, we wish him the best here for the rest of this football season, and I think definitely we will see him back on an NFL field. Uh, Kid's real good kid. He's got a great attitude, and uh, it's cool to see him doing well. All right, so uh, last week the 2019 football schedule was released. Uh, We are going to do our Fab Six away games to go to but before that let's just talk about the schedule real quick moo what stood out to you if anything about i don't know the dates the opponents what do you see uh i was really relieved and overjoyed that more than likely there's not going to be a weekday home game no that made me feel really good besides besides usf Oh, yeah. Well, everyone's pretty much off. And FAMU doesn't really you know, count either day. way. You know, I hate those. Like, what was it last year? Temple? Like, Thursday? And it was an important game, too. Yeah. The attendance was surprisingly pretty good, though. Yeah, uh, it was great. Thursday. But anyway, college football is to be played on Saturdays, especially now. You know, I understand we are in Conference USA, and we needed the, like, gimmicky play on a Thursday night to get on ESPN and all that, but... We don't need that anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree with you that we. I guess we don't necessarily need. Well, so our brand is good enough where we don't necessarily have to do stuff like that to get notice. But we still have the opportunity to play in front of a national audience instead of getting shuffled in on these Saturdays. And I still like that we do it. The more we can be on national TV, the more eyes we can get on us the better it's it just it's free marketing for the most part to get us out yeah, there that is true. i know That's it's a good point. it's annoying but it's definitely good for us like you know like we always say uh and danny white we trust um and you know luckily these are away games so it actually works out really good besides the usf game which is always on a friday we have two away games other ones on fridays so those won't really affect us that much but my first thing looking at the schedule two things stood out to me one we don't have back-to-back home games it actually alternates every week, and we have technically two away games but in a row, but there's a bye week in between. So it's really like we go home away, home away, home away, uh, and then Which later. Which is amazing. It's great. It's great spacing. You know, Not having to go to Orlando like three weekends in a row is, is nice to get a little break. But on top of that, we have two bye weeks built in. The, week, the weekend of Saturday, October the 12th, we are off, and then also – the weekend of Saturday, November the 16th, we also have off. And this is kind of how it works with the, the calendars. It ended up, a lot of teams are going to end up with this this year. When the inevitable game gets canceled due to Hurricane, we'll have a little bit more flexibility with rescheduling it. The one thing, though, is that the American Championship, which has been on like December 1st the last two years, is now a little bit later on December 7th. And this all has to do with Thanksgiving being on the 28th instead of like the 23rd. Everything kind of revolves around that. That's rivalry weekend, and the schedule's built out from that. 
but the USF game's the 29th, and then we have the conference championship December 7th, where one of our very good friends has decided to schedule a wedding down here in southwest Florida. Um, I will be watching the game from my phone. I don't care if I'm standing next to him at the altar. Thanks for that, DJ Pav. Thanks. Um, anyway, okay, so some other things I noticed. So every two years are the games we play against teams in the West rotate. So this year we've got Tulsa Tulane, Houston. These last couple years we were playing Memphis, SMU, and I think Navy were our out of uh, out of division games. So that's uh, another thing that's kind of neat. Uh, all right, so with that, let's get into our Fab Six away games to travel to this year. Did you touch on the three home games in a row sucking? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Were you not listening? I was going to say, no, I was. I just didn't – I don't think the audience realized that, oh. like, people that don't live in Orlando – like, for us, it's three and a half hours, so it's basically seven hours of driving. It's freaking 21 hours of driving. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> – it's a lot, and it's just like it feels like as soon as you get back and situated, it's like oh crap, time to pack up the car again. <laughs> yeah, and with you, did we have a week between USF and the conference championship? I can't remember. No, because like, I think we did five in a row to end the season. Yeah, four in a row. I did Navy, Cincy, USF, Memphis. I did four weeks in a row. Oh, USF being pretty much a home game. So, yeah, it's actually like we had five home games in a row because if you count USF as a home and also with the Temple game on Thursday. And then to begin the year, after our away game at UConn, we had another four in a row. We had four in a row with the UNC game canceled. So it was weird. We really only had three away games, UConn, Memphis, and East Carolina. Um, This year we have – so it rotates. One year you'll have seven home games. One year we have six due to the home and home games we play against P5s. This is a six and six year. And because one of our home games is USF, uh, it's not like an additional. You know, if we have a six and six and USF's away, it's like we have seven and five. Right. Anyway, all right. So our Fab Six away games to travel to. Uh, who wants to start off with Tulsa? I'll, I'll go ahead. <laughs> all right. Number six, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Sooner State. I've been there for a wedding before. It's a neat little city. I mean, it'll be cool to go to. I remember my flight was expensive because it's not really like a huge destination. And I actually have a friend there, so I might go this year, but not exactly a uh, a hot name being thrown around for road trips or away games to travel to, especially because the opponent's not that good either. And also lots of tornadoes there. Just a little, little side note. Uh, Moo, any thoughts on Tulsa? Yeah, just the stadium is pretty small. And any game I've ever seen there, I mean, I remember we used to be decent rivals back in Conference USA. Usually when we play at Tulsa, you know, there's like 10 people in the stand. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. now, you know, Night Nation has grown so much since then. I feel like at every away game, somebody always posts a picture of it at least – you know, no matter where it is, it's group of twenty thirty at least. Giant group, yeah. Number five is going to be Cincinnati. This is an intriguing game because it's an away game and it's scheduled to be on a Friday night. Friday night games to me really aren't that as bad as Thursday. I know I 
kind of diss the weekday games. Yeah, huge, um, di- huge difference, honestly. Thir- but at fr- the very least, you know, if it's an away game and on a Friday night, and you know, I'm always off on the weekend, so it's time yeah. to turn up. Well, not only that, I mean, you know, if you have a Friday night game at seven or a Saturday noon game, what's the difference, honestly? It's not that much of a difference. It's still after the work week is over for more for most people, and I mean, night games are always better. I might look, you know, there's really cheap flights from on Allegiant to Cincinnati. I might just look at like flying in up there and then just like staying up and going to the airport and catching a a flight home early in the morning just to like go to the game because I know you can get like hundred dollar round trip flights from a lot of different yeah. airports in Naples. So uh, definitely something to think about. Yeah, I don't know much else about Cincinnati. It, Poopy chill. I don't either. I, I mean, <laughs> I do know that the la- was it last year they had the number one recruiting class. So, you know, obviously we made them look horrible last year. They have a good team and they're getting better. They do have a good team and they're getting better. And I feel like they have this one circled as kind of their revenge game. Definitely. Definitely. And that'll be um, one thing to think about too when you're playing out away games is that is during NFL season. So, any away game destination that has a close NFL team, you can sometimes make it a pretty cool weekend. You know, you could look out for the Bengals schedule when it comes out, possibly hit two games at once, and you could also do that, uh, you know, for Pitt or Temple with the Eagles too. Just something to think of, a little, little bonus. Also, you know, Tulane with the Saints. Um, when we played them two years ago, the Saints were playing Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys, so I went to both, and it was pretty cool. Anyway, okay, so number four, speaking of Pitt, is Pitt. So this is number four. Obviously, this is going to, you know, every year we have one big P5 team we play. Last year was UNC. Uh, who was it the year before that everyone went to in 2017? Oh, Maryland? Yeah, in 2017, it, it was kind of Maryland. A lot of people, some people went to Navy too. But there's always one. Pitt's kind of that one this year, although Pitt not being, I guess, that night. You know, it's a big industrial city, not exactly the most exciting destination but being a p5 school it'll definitely be a really awesome game day experience i'm sure they're going to show up in numbers there it's going to be a packed stadium you know looking for revenge obviously pit hot off their acc runner-up um you know run last year they started off slow and then finished the season well this is going to be a good game and i think i'm definitely going to try and go to it yeah unfortunately i won't be able to make it well then again oh no september 21st is it yeah. Okay. No, it's a po- it's a possibility. Yeah, we'll have to see. Definitely big, bigger city. I mean, e- kind of easy to get like a a cheaper flight. You know, at least out of Fort Myers, probably Orlando would be like super cheap. It's hit or miss with those. Sometimes the small cities are cheap to get to, and other times they cost like six hundred dollars just because it's so like obscure. There's no market for like the Fort Myers to pit, but we'll yeah. just we'll just have to see. Anyway, yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. If I get to go. All right. Number three. Number three on our fab six list of away games you're looking forward to is Temple. So Temple gave us quite a scare last year. Good run for our money. That quarterback, Anthony Russo, still going to be here. I think their running back, Raquel Armstead, was a senior. Uh, Can't remember. But anyway, they'll probably have somebody else. Temple... I think can challenge us just as much as they did the year before. And Russo's really good at quarterback. Yeah. I think he's going to continue to get better, and I think that'll be a tough game. Any away game is a tough game. That, but I also true. wanted to touch on the city of Philadelphia. Went there two years ago. They, 
um, for a wedding. Went to a wedding in New Jersey, then stayed in Philly for a couple days. I loved Philly. I don't know what it was about about it. It was just like a really cool city, a lot to do, tons of bars, tons of restaurants. Uh, all the people were friendly, although all I've heard is people from Philly. I've heard bad things about the people from Philly, but couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, it's a city of brotherly really love, right? Yeah. And they got uh, – Most of the people – I don't know. I've just heard things that like – people from philly aren't the nicest but they were totally nice to me we've talked about this before this is the place it's the liberty bell right yeah not big ben okay wait no (laughs) okay yeah you said big ben okay yeah yeah i get my monuments mixed up anyway yeah yeah. i agree you do like we went to the rocky steps you know you got to run up those and do liberty bell and and plus, kind of, they play at uh, they play at uh, what is it Lincoln Memorial Stadium where the Eagles play. Yeah, they play. play at the Eagles Field, which is cool. The tickets are always really cheap. Uh, the weather should be perfect end of October time, uh, so that'll definitely Probably be a, a, little, a little chilly. That'll be a cool trip. And I've, I've heard, heard a lot of people saying they want to go to this over Pitt. It just depends. Like the game day experience at Temple is going to be terrible. It's just not going to be good. Probably. But the game day experience at Pitt will be really good, but then the city doesn't offer much else unless there's a Steelers game going on. Philly is awesome, just in general, a really cool place to go to. The game day experience will be eh, but the whole weekend can be really, really fun. Um, there might even be some Phillies playoff baseball going on or possibly an Eagles game, although I think they don't do Eagles when Temple's at home. I don't know how it works. Definitely a really, really cool place to check out. All right, I uh, will go to number two, FAU. Guys might be a little surprised to see them here at number two, but we realize that a lot of our listeners are students or, you know, might not be able to afford flying in and flying out in hotels at these different places. FAU is a away, almost like a de facto home game, like USF was, though. Just a short, you know, what, like two and a half hour drive from Orlando uh, to, was it Boca, right? Yeah, it's right in Boca. Boca, West Palm area, whatever. The actual. Pretty close to the. Decently close to the beach. Yeah, no, it's it's a. Re- I was re- looking at some hotels and stuff. It's a really really cool area. Lots of good food and stuff to do there, and obviously you can just make a day trip out of it. Or you know, for a lot of people that are from South Florida, it'll just be a quick little drive over. But I expect to see more black and gold than navy and red. I guess uh, I don't know. Yeah. And oh, uh, is that even a question, bro? Come on. <laughs> you know, you think that we're, we're going to take that stadium over, yep. and it's kind of a. It's a very weird stadium if you've ever seen it. It's like a little high school stadium, kind of. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've been there before. It's neat, you know. Any girls? If we have any girl listeners, maybe get down there early and try and match with Lane Kiffin on Tinder, uh, as he's been known to do. I don't know. Maybe get a little distraction, sneak the game plan from him or something. Who knows? But yeah, that'll definitely be cool. So that's why we put it at number two because it's uh, definitely a makeable away game, and really no excuses to go to this one, especially if you can't make it to any of the other ones that we talked about already i'm gonna agree this is a no excuse you need you need to be at this game i mean you at least have to have like a roommate or friend or somebody that lives you know in south florida you could even stay with there's plenty of hotels i was checking they're not expensive i mean you could do you could go all out and get one like right on the beach in boca or something that'd be cool it's not that far of a drive yeah uh, stadium from the beach but anyway Definitely it's not really on cool Friday. Area. It's not on a Friday night like last year was. It's on a Saturday. So depending on the time, could do a day trip or 
spend the night. I don't know. Is Boca cool? At yeah, night? yeah, yeah. It's it's like yeah. a it's like a ri- it's kind of rich area. Like obviously there's the school, but you know the whole West Palm Boca area is you know a lot of money and, and nice food and, and dining and stuff like that. Uh, I guess food and dining is the same thing, but you guys know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, food and dining. Any, anyway, you know if there was, we should a g- have our own like travel blog. For like college football, that's yeah. what this is turning into. Yeah. So like every team we play, we have to talk about the city, the city too. Well, I mean that's half the experience. I mean, you know, oh yeah, no, I agree. The game is great, but it's cool. I'm, I, you know, I would never go to some of these cities ever in my whole life. Probably like no, I'm, I would never go to Pittsburgh. And now I'm going to get to go to Pittsburgh, so it's it's pretty neat. Yeah, no, um, I feel you. All right, I would have never never gone to detroit or ann arbor yeah i would have absolutely no reason to ever enter the state of michigan no i dude i agree uh besides going you know the air detroit airport is a connecting flight like a lot of the time for a lot of places you go to but you're right i I would have never got to experience ann arbor because of that and i mean we got murked 51 to 14 and that was like one of my funnest trips ever that was such a cool place and we would never have even dreamed of going there or wanted to go there if it wasn't for that and instead we've got some you know lifelong memories so that was definitely really cool all right so let's move on to our number one probably not that much of a surprise to anybody uh what do we got moo okay so number one is going to be Tulane. all right number one on our fab six away games you're looking forward to is Tulane. Now I this it's my turn to talk about a city, but since I've never been there and you've been there like a shitload of times, plus the, your sister still lives there, right? Yeah, she does. All right, I'm gonna throw this one back over to you. Okay, cool. So bad planning on our part, but let's give this a whirl. <laughs> um, so yeah, Tulane. Obviously, you know a lot of people have been there for Mardi Gras uh, or like you know fraternity trips, socials, retreats, whatever. It's a very cool city. There's a lot more to it than Bourbon Street, but that's kind of just the place everyone goes. Just a really, really cool city, and if you haven't been, this is a great chance to go. Uh, so much just culture and, and history there, and the it, it's just a different world. I swear, when I I always when I'm there, I'm just like they live in like a bubble compared to everywhere else. It's hard to explain, but like everything there revolves around like food and drinking. Like that's like the main stuff. Everything is just a giant party, and it's really, really cool. Tulane uh, doesn't have that good of a football program, although they've been on the up and up. And uh, it is kind of like a high school stadium, but this is definitely a good excuse to go there, and I'm definitely going to plan But some. it's their own stadium. It's their own stadium, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some really cool events going on, and, you know, maybe there would be a Saints game or whatever, but this is when you got to go to. It's road trippable. It's 10 hours. When I was at UCF, I did it. It's fun. If you're with friends, it's fun. It'll go by fast. 10 hours is nothing. A lot of you guys drove 30 to the freaking Fiesta Bowl, so no excuse here. Lots of stuff to do, and for a lot of you guys, it'll be your first time, and I'm excited to uh, to share this awesome city with you. What, what are your thoughts, Moo? I'm planning my trip right now. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. I need to uh, – seriously, after going through this list of six cities, I'm like – I have the biggest FOMO of missing any of these games. Of Is Tulane, you mean? Any of them that um, we just talked about. Yeah, I mean, they're all, dude, they're all fun, and looking – thinking about it, I mean, it's – well, it w- might not be impossible for me to go to every game. I don't know. We could write it off now that you know we got a podcast. So business expense. So I mean, the way your the way your work schedule is, I'm surprised you <laughs> did this past year. 
It's just, or the year before. Some of them aren't worth it necessarily. Like I didn't really want to go to ECU. What? I looked, what do you mean it ain't worth it? Well, because with ECU, like the flights were really expensive. I would have ended up having to drive to Orlando, fly there, and then fly fly there like on Saturday and fly back either late late after the game or like it was just it was just right. too e- much ECU is like in pot what is it in like Wilmington or something it's in the middle of nowhere there and then yeah. you know, all right Tulsa- that, that's kind of okay I could see like Tulsa but honestly any of the other ones are pretty easy to get to yeah and you know I can just you know I wouldn't mind flying in and flying out to like Cincinnati like, I have no desire to stay in Cincinnati I could just catch a like a late flight or like an early flight and then now have to get a hotel or anything like that. But I don't know. We'll just have to see. Anyway, so let's recap our Fab Six. Number six, we have Tulsa. Number five, Cincinnati. Number four, Pitt. Number three, Temple. Number two, FAU. And number one, Tulane. Those are our Fab Six away games to travel to this season. Just talking about UCF football has got me so hyped and it's just a schedule and we're very far away but just like picturing going to these games has got me on another level we should have did this first and I could have like had more energy for basketball and the Apollos and that, that, those are just the away games what about the ones that everyone gets to go to oh yeah Stanford. Right. so yeah let's talk about that with this schedule right, here even though Stanford is not you know they didn't finish the season ranked you know last year I think they started off in the top they're like top 15, maybe number 10 at one point. But with Stanford and Pitt on our resume, Pitt coming off, you know, runner-ups in the uh, ACC, this might be a schedule, especially combined with the fact that we're going to be ranked probably 15th preseason. And you go back to last year, we were 23rd, and the, pre-se- the preseason rankings matter. Whether They shouldn't matter, but they do. Because we end up being ranked Absolutely. with a worse strength of schedule in 2018. We were ranked higher at the end when it came down to bowls than we were in 2017 with a much harder schedule in 17. So we start off 15, a couple wins against these Florida teams, Stanford at home and Pitt on the road. We could be in the top 10 within the first four weeks top of playing. Top 10 before October. Yeah. Actually, I think – I'm going to go ahead and say we will be in the top 10 if we win these four games. So I think that next oh, year – Here could, we go. <laughs> Fired up right now, dude. We could make the playoff just because of the preseason rankings. Or maybe we'll just hit that plateau at 10 a month earlier than we did last year. Who knows? But, man, it's fun to talk about and dream about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the way too early top 25, I've seen a couple of websites come out. We're anywhere between 15 and 25. Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right. I don't think 15 is too, too high for us to start. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we're losing a little bit on the D line. Obviously, quarterback. I, I I still think Mac is the guy. It's, you know, nice. We got some competition in there. Who knows? But you know, we'll learn more about that. Uh, you know, through, throughout the spring game and practices and everything. But I'm excited. I mean, you know, we got a lot of key pieces coming back. And oh, man, I just love talking about this. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this up. Let's see if we have any questions from Twitter here. All right, so this first question is from Destroyer of the Mushroom dot Spider Man. Says he's a three time Fortnite champion in his bio. Anyway, as you go through the <laughs> schedule, give us your predictions. Pick out one breakout performer on offense and one for defense over the whole season. Moo, who do you got? Uh offense. I'm going to say this is Money Moo's bold prediction. 
Otis Anderson returns to 2017 status. All right. I like that uh, a lot. Just didn't really know how to use him, even though Anthony, our pro football focus guest, told Hype how to use him. Uh, I think with with Snelson leaving, it kind of opens up. I don't know. I mean, S- Snelson was in the slot, but Otis was supposed to be in the slot for most of the time. Not, not, not sure. I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb. I just want to say, like, maybe in the off season, you know, they have a heart to heart and really start looking on how to use this guy because uh, just the other day. You know, every now and then I go back and look at, you know, some highlight tapes and film from, you know, 2017 and, and 2018. And, man, this Otis was just making plays, man. Like Dude, all dude's just a playmaker. Him. You just got to get him the ball is the problem. Um, I, I think now that, you know, the backfield is a little is a little thinner with Taj not in there. You know, I think McCray should be – I think McCray should be the straight – you know, workhorse back, switching Killens a little bit, and then I mean, I mean, if you had two running backs, if you put Otis and McCray in the backfield with Mac and just run like a triple option, like every play. I know we've I mean, got geez. we've got to run more two running back sets. We got to get Otis on the field. I don't know if they plan on using him at slot. Um, I guess I'll you know kind of segue into mine. My offensive breakout player is going to be Marlon Williams because I think he'll be the one that hype uses he loves to run three receiver sets and marlin's fast and he's big um one other thing here's what i actually would love to see is move marlin to like a tight end like a hybrid tight end like a catching type tight end role and put otis in the slot use him in the slot or in the backfield those guys combined with davis and nixon on the outside i think that's just like a killer knockout uh you know starting lineup for us on offense um I think Marlon's going to be the breakout star for that reason, but I could see it going to Otis too. Uh, we'll just have to see. But either way, I hope we run more sets with two running backs. I know Squints preached it all season long, and you know, look at the like the one play we did in the bowl game was that two point conversion. I mean, you, Killens and Otis in the backfield. Like, how do you stop that? You know, you just can't cover yeah. everyone with that kind of speed and, and elusiveness. All right, so let's move on. Who do you have as your breakout performer on defense? breakout player on defense he ended up being my favorite defensive player near the end of the year he's really making a ton of plays all over the field especially fiesta bowl nate evans brendan hayes all right okay i just love this kid has like crazy intensity seemed to be all over the place um you know i just like the way he plays just like super intense always near the ball three sacks last year you know, a decent amount of tackles. Going to be a senior year, so it's time to ball out. Yeah. Number six, Brandon Hayes. I like it. I like it. And yeah, you're right. We definitely Brendan, start, sorry. started to see a lot of Bra- I kept saying Brandon. It's Brendan. All right. Yeah, uh, definitely started to see a lot of him towards the end of the season. All right, so for my defensive breakout player of 2019, uh, I've got to take Antoine Collier, the safety. He filled in for Kyle Gibson after his ejection in the Fiesta Bowl. Was our highest-rated player on defense. Kid's a baller, and I'm just really, really excited to see what he can do as a full-time starter next to Richie Grant there in the defensive backfield. Richie Grant, one of the best safeties in the nation. I think 
you know, Gibson was good, but I think Collier is is a real stud, and those guys back there are we're going to be dangerous in the in the defensive backfield. We're going to be a little young up front in the D line, but these guys are going to anchor us, and I think. Yeah, you know, if anything, the Super Bowl showed you that having really good coverage is just as important, if not more important, than having good pressure from the line. And um, don't so. forget, Antoine Collier was the one who made the game-sealing interception against Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Also, Always near also, and dear to our hearts here in UCF land. And also filling in for Kyle Gibson, who was ejected for targeting in that game as well. Kind of crappy way for him to go out in both those bowl games, but... Uh, dude was just playing football. Nothing you can do. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. All right, let's do one more question before we wrap it up. What do you got? All right, this next question is from Drake Wickstrom on Twitter. Is it too early for the stadium in- expansion that Danny White hinted at last year? Do we need to wait to get a bid for a big conference? Yeah, I, I think we have to wait. And here's the reason why is if we expand the stadium, we need to be able to fill it up. First of all, we need to be able to fill it up when we're not on an undefeated run, which eventually, I mean, we might have an off year. And you have to have big-name conference opponents to do that. And we're not going to fill the stadium with UConn at home or Tulsa at home or Temple or any of these teams. But if we're in the Big 12... I mean, Bama, Bama can't even do that. Yeah, well, they don't fill the stadium when they play. You know, the Citadel. Their stadium's a lot bigger, but yeah, I agree. Now, if we have out of conference, you know, Big Twelve opponents, the stadium will be filled because these are going to be much bigger games. You know, having those P five schools, but I just don't think we can do it until then because right now, I mean, I, I love our fan base and everything, but if we have a couple off years, we're not going to be selling out every game like we were this year. I mean, we had some games that still weren't quite sellouts. We couldn't sell out the conference championship. I mean, now we've almost filled it, and I know it's short notice and everybody had plans and stuff, but still, you know, we, we got to wait until we get in a bigger conference. What do you think? I think we just don't need it. Like, the only reason you would expand a stadium is because every game is sold out and there's more demand yeah. than there is supply. It's like right a 15,000 or 15,000 person expansion, too. Like, there were no games this year that would have been sold out with an extra 15,000 seats. So, not even close. Not even close. But I Plus, like that I, we're talking about there's it. There's no. I mean, yeah, I guess like the crowd. The crowd. There's more people in the crowd, so it gets rowdier. But I don't know. I've been to a lot of football games, man, and that Cincinnati, the forty-five thousand or whatever for Cincinnati, is the loudest game by far I've ever been to. You know, so I really don't see why we need to expand. First off, I think the tickets are going to go up. You got to pay for it somehow. Yeah, you know. So where you're sitting is now going to be the lower bowl, and everyone's tickets, you know, double in price. Is that what everybody wants? Well, not right now. Keep. I don't mind keeping it the way it is right now, but I do agree that if we do get into a bigger conference, I think we're going to have to expand the stadium, and I think it's going to have to happen in that way. Yeah, I don't think we're going to expand the stadium and then hope to get into the Big Twelve or whatever. That would be a huge, huge financial mistake, and I really think it needs to happen, you know, in that way. Plus, I mean, UCF is always under construction, and I think they could do it a lot quicker than one would would expect. Yeah, we'll just be. we'll just have to see. And you know what? 
here's what I'm going to say. Whatever Danny White wants to do, I agree with because he, yep. he's way smarter than me. If he wants to expand it tomorrow, then I know there's good reason why. That's all I got to say. So All hail. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. You got any extra thoughts? I guess, you know, hey, come out to the basketball games if you're in Orlando. Um, support these guys. It's cool that we even, we're even we even talking about March Madness because we haven't had a chance to make the tournament in quite a few years. Oh, yeah. One thing, I was going to talk to you about this before we started recording, but um, I was kind of looking at possibly going to the USF basketball game, the one in Tampa. I think it's next Wednesday or next Thursday. Uh, yeah. It's at 7 o'clock. Wednesday you know, the 27th. Yeah, just drive up and drive right back. I mean, college basketball games last two hours, right? Yeah, we're supposed so to, yeah. Not, I mean, I could get out of work early, drive two hours up there, I might come be back down. by 11 or 12. I might be Why down. Not? I'll be down. Yeah. All right, let's maybe do that. Some pre- primo, like, trash-talking time, too, going in that stadium. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, can't <laughs> wait. Maybe a little casino on the way home. Uh, I mean, I got to work the next day. But... Eh? All right. Well, yeah, anyway. I already we'll f- don't get any sleep, so. We'll, we'll figure it out. So, um, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, we will catch you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Go Knights. Charge on. Shots. Shots.